Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, your host, Charlie Nesmith. Welcome back to the Flying Baton. We're excited you're joining us today. A couple weeks ago, we released a warm-up book for band called Warm-Ups with a Beat. This is a full fundamental packet for middle school band and contains unlimited photocopy rights for your program. There are also play-along videos on YouTube where each exercise has a fun drum beat behind it to make practicing more fun for students at home. You can download your copy at theflyingwithton.com. Don't forget to stick around to the end of the episode when we have our beginning band pick of the week. Here, we dissect a piece of music that you could possibly play in your program and take a listen to it. Steve Graves is in his 33rd year of teaching and his 19th year as band director at Lexington Junior High School in Cypress, California. He has served as an adjudicator for the Southern California Judging Association, the Colorado Bandmasters Association, and the American Drumline Association. In 2018, Mr. Graves was named an Orange County Arts Educator of the Year. In December of 2019, he presented on classroom management at the Midwest Clinic in Chicago. Mr. Graves holds a bachelor's degree in music education from California State University, Long Beach, and a master of arts degree in band conducting from the American Band College at Sam Houston State University. Steve continues to be an active percussionist with local community bands and several other regularly performing groups. Steve, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So could you tell us a little bit about the community uh, around the school that you teach? Sure. Um, I teach in the city of Cyprus, um, which is in the Anaheim School District. So uh, we're just adjacent to the city of Anaheim. So about 15 minutes from Disneyland to give you a a geographical reference. Um, And uh, I would say that it's kind of a middle income socioeconomic status. We have a very diverse uh, culture. Um, I send my kids to the schools around here and I'm really happy that they grew up in a very different atmosphere than I did. And they've had kids from all over the world, a lot of different languages, um, a different status of just about every kind uh, in the community. And so it's a really a nice mix. Um, although we're in the sprawl of Southern California, we have kind of a small town feel um, to to this particular community, but we're surrounded by communities all over the place. So I saw that uh, you were in the Everything Band podcast, and I, I listened to that one this weekend. At the time, you started your kids in seventh grade, and they had no prior band experience. And has that changed in the last couple of years? Actually, yes. And this year, um, and, and in this distant distance time, I'm really appreciating it. We, we started an elementary program two years ago. Um, our, our district is a, a, a 7 through 12 district. So we're fed by a bunch of elementary districts that are completely separate entities than us. Um, and up till now, very little communication. And two years ago, their supervisor, their music supervisor or supervisor of instruction came to me and said, we want to do instrumental music, and but we want to do it in a way that the kids will feed into your program well. What do you want? And, well, I want that. I want somebody to ask that question. That was the best thing right there. Um, and they ended up hiring three instrumental teachers who also teach um, general music and other things. But uh, over the course of two years, they finally got it up and running where the kids uh, learn learn instruments. Um, up till that time, our district is largely, we start our kids in the seventh grade, some of them in the eighth grade for the first time on, on band instruments. Mm-hmm. So having eighth grade beginners. Um, and so about 95% of what we would start would be in the seventh grade. This year is the first time I had like 40 seventh graders come in 
who with previous experience with some of them second year players or some of them third year players. I have I have three seventh grade third year tuba players. Um, and and I, I was fortunate yeah. that I was able to yeah. Um, I just matter of fact two days ago I sent a thank you email to my to the elementary <laughs> teachers. I said, God bless you. And 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 because what I asked for was kids who A um, know some basic fundamentals and B love band. And that's what I got. And I'm fortunate enough to put those kids are all in one class and they came into this virtual environment with a class culture already started. These kids who came from different elementary schools but had played together a few times and had met me at a few clinics, that class came in like we'd been already kind of together and they have an excitement about band every day. And, uh, it's wonderful. Are are all your beginning classes mixed instrumentation? Are you able to break down by family? Other than, other than having a percussionist separate, it, all the winds are mixed together. Wow. I've tried doing it the other (laughs) way, but just it's scheduling wise. It's, you get more kids, your program is more available if you eliminate what, what are called singletons in the master schedule. So having, you know, typically I used to have three beginning wins classes. Uh, and now I've brought it down to two because of the number of seventh graders coming in with experience. Um, and uh, the, but that opens up a lot more in the master schedule. Uh, when, when you've got different places, that different options for those kids and more availability in the master schedule makes it a lot easier for the counselors. You make things easier for the counselors. They make things easier for you. <laughs> it, it works that way. So one of the things that I, I looked around on YouTube and I saw a couple of performances that various people have posted of your concerts uh, and I absolutely love them. But one of the things that struck me about the one that I watched this morning is you had a group of students who, who came up who were kind of the leadership of the band. Like you had uh, secretaries and presidents. Could you yeah. talk a little bit about your student leadership and when does that start and how do kids get into that? I think student leadership starts from day one. There, there, there's always a kid who wants to do something. Um, and our job is so much, is, there's so many moving parts to our job. And there are so many of those parts that a kid wants to do. And it's perfectly capable of doing. And so the more you can delegate, the more you can dissipate all of the things that we do, the more it frees you up to just teach music. Um, you don't need to spend as much time uh, checking off boxes, filing music, racking music stands, uh, moving chairs. Every time I go to touch a stand to move it, I have to remind myself, wait, there's a student who would do this and would probably be happy to do so. Um, and uh, and so student leadership is, is really pretty broad. But I, from a logistical standpoint, I use a band president, secretary, treasurer, and librarian in my top group and, and, and sometimes in other groups as well. And, uh, they basically carry out the functions of the day. You know, if, if, if I have run off a piece of music or have a, have a set of music ready to pass out, I give it to one person, I give it to a librarian and they give it to the section leaders and the section leaders give it to their section. It's just that dissipation of work, uh, is so much more efficient and the same thing, collecting things. Uh, if a student's missing a piece of music, they go to their section leader. If the section leader doesn't have it, they go to the librarian. Usually, I don't even know when somebody lost their music before a concert. Um, I don't want to know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I'm better off not knowing. My own son was missing his music before festival. Um, I didn't hear about it till later, thank God. Um, and but, but because we had a system in place to take care of that, it got taken care of. And the kids were happy to do so. Well, this is a, a bit of an abnormal year. 
um, when <laughs> you guys say the least, <laughs> to say the least, yeah, 2020 is an abnormal year. <laughs> bit, putting it modestly, yes, yeah. I, I would say when when your district decided that they were going to go virtual, what was your initial reactions to that? I don't think I can say it in public, but yeah, <laughs> holy, <laughs> yeah, it was. Were you, uh, were you intimidated or scared at the prospect? Were you excited? Uh, maybe a mix of things. I don't think any of us were excited about the process. Um, uh, and, and the way the process happened to us was uh, some second week of March, you know, things were getting shaky and they're talking about, yeah, we might have to go virtual. We might, you know, not come back. Uh, March 12th, they were saying, yeah, we might not come back next week. March 13th, about two minutes before the bell rang, they made the announcement. Hey, kids, uh, teachers, stay home on Monday. Watch for an email. That was pretty much the way it went down. Mm. And so that weekend, everybody's going, oh, what do we do? And the emails came out, uh, put all your lessons up on Schoology, which is our learning platform. You know, and for some of us in the band world who had never put any of our lessons on that, the learning curve was huge. You know, it's kind of like learning. We we were basically in that month, it was like learning to fly an airplane in the air. You know, it's it's like the movie where the pilot dies and, and somebody jumps up there and goes, "Okay, how do I do this? Um, but there's no tower to talk to. Uh, we're just fiddling with the controls and hoping we don't crash. Yeah. And there was like, no, there's no lead up time for most of us. It was just like, boom, decision, decision made. Yeah. And there's like no training, no professional development. It was just like, boom, into the fire. There you go. Yeah, there was there was not much there. And um, some of us had some tools to deal with that. Some of them had some some kind of an online rapport or platforms or were used to maybe people that were used to collecting videos, um, people who had made videos and, and could do those kind of things um, or use smart music at all. But if you hadn't done that yet, it was a lot to learn. Absolutely. Um, and with and with no uh, no guidance as to how this is gonna this is gonna affect curriculum at all. It was really online babysitting for for a month or so until we started finding our wheels and going, okay, can, can we actually learn? Can we actually progress? And, and by the end of the year, uh, some of my kids just killed it. Uh, just really, I, I was impressed with, with what they were able to do with what we gave them. Much different than what, how we started this year. Did your district require kids to attend the virtual class back in the spring or were you allowed to give grades and that sort of thing? They were required to attend but the policy was called hold harmless. Basically, your grade's frozen at March 13th. It can only go up. If you, if you, if you earn a better grade, it can go up, but it couldn't go down. Uh, yeah. and, and as we came back, you know, in this year, it, I think some kids are still trying to adjust to, to the fact that it's, it's not that anymore. <laughs> Everything counts, kids. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that hold harmless policy uh, actually caused a lot of harm. Well, earlier in the school year, you had posted a video of yourself teaching. Um, I think it was, was it the first day of school or the first day with instruments? Uh, there is one first day with instruments. Yeah. Beginners first day with instruments. Yeah. Yeah. I know that was that was so huge. Like, I don't I don't know if you even realize, like, how how important that video was for our community. Oh, because cool. I think like when, when that video came out on the, the Facebook Middle School Band Directors page, like, I think it was just really encouraging to a lot of people to say, like, oh, OK, this is something we can do. Like. We can try to have band in a virtual setting. And I, I just think it takes so much guts to post a video of yourself teaching. <laughs> I don't know if it I don't know if it's guts or ignorance, <laughs> you know, just just to go, well, kids, you know. 
here's a way to do it. I, I actually, I, you know, I watched a couple others. There's a guy, there's a local guy out here, well, kind of local, he's out in the desert, a guy named Patrick Dorr. Um, and, and he posted a couple of things up here I am and here's how I do it. And there's the kids on the screen. And I went, that was an aha moment for me of, okay, let me take that and, and mess with it a bit. Um, and I figured, you know, if I picked up something from that, uh, then maybe others can, can learn from what I'm doing here. Yeah. I, I just think it was just such a huge encouragement to everybody. And then you just kept the videos coming. You just kept posting like, Hey, here's how I do my second year. And it's just really great. I know it was, it was just really inspiring to the community to, to, to just, I, I think there's just a lot of band directors right now who they're like, I, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know if I can do this. And I think that video is just a way of saying, yes, we can. Here's one way to approach it. Well, you know, we all had that feeling because the thing that was taken out from under our feet was the, the one thing that we live for every day. And that's standing in front of a band playing. Um, you know, there, I think every single band director walks into a room and goes, I, okay, I don't, I have no lesson plan, anything, but, it, but put me in front of a group of kids. We're going to make music. You took that one thing away. <laughs> and, uh, and, and everybody went, I, I'm a train. I got no tracks. Where do I go? Um, and we had to realize that, okay, wait, it's, it's just that one thing. That's the only, it's just one thing we can't do. We can't play together. We could still play. We could still teach. We could still learn. We could still get information back from kids. We could still have kids give us examples of what they're doing. And, and we have this huge advantage now. It's not a disadvantage. It's just a different advantage of using an online format. There are things we can do online that we cannot do in person. There's a lot of things, if we're working smart, that we're going to keep from this. You know, um, oh my gosh, my kids first day with instruments. I had to do, we had to trust them watching videos. And our, our directors in our district spent um, pretty much from the time we got out in May, we ended our school year May 21st. So pretty much after a week or so of, of just breathing, we got back together and said, this is this is how we're going to start our school year. Uh, we better start figuring this out. So we met in Zoom meetings um, online every week, texted each other constantly, and that's still going on, uh, and started collecting resources. How are we going to start our beginners? Because it was easy in May. Well, relatively, they'd already knew how to play. Um, so we were just taking them further with what they already knew. But the the the, the concept of putting an instrument in a kid's hands for the first time, sight unseen is horrifying to most of us. And so we started looking for who's got videos on doing this, or can we make videos on doing it? And we started collecting resources um, to put out there. And so my first day with kids with instruments, they'd already watched a series of videos, how to open the case. Um, here are the parts of your instrument, how to put a read on, how to do those things. It went really smooth. I, I'm I'm not giving up that whole process ever again. Um, they're going to have to watch the videos and they're going to look at that first because that was way, way easier. I mean, if it, if it could work out online with me standing in the room, so much easier with that, that front-loaded knowledge. Especially when your classes are all mixed instrumentation. You know, yeah. I, I always, <laughs> I've never, I've never taught a class, a beginning class with everything mixed i've always had the pleasure of having at least brass woodwinds yeah and i just have to imagine okay teaching clarinet players how to put on a reed and having all those other people in the room like. i call it i call it i call it plate spinning day you know have you ever seen a guy in a variety show he gets a plate puts it on a stick 
and spins it and it's balancing there. And then he goes, gets another plate, puts it on a stick. He's balancing. And then he gets there. Pretty soon he's got 16 plates going, but he has to keep going and, and giving each one a little attention. And in the background, there's like catch a tree and saber dance. No, 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 no. <laughs> As he runs from one to the other. That is exactly what it is, is plate spinning. And you have to keep moving and you have to keep, but you have to keep giving each thing uh, attention constantly. Uh, and, and it's, it takes time to do, to get your groove on for that and figure out how, yeah. how to do that. So this was a lot less plates. Yeah, absolutely. So could you walk us through um, what is your class routine like in a normal year versus what is your class routine like now? Wow. Um, have to think back to the good old days of when kids <laughs> were actually in a room. Um, <laughs> class routine normally. The kids kids will come in. They'll get seated. You know, and they, and they can pretty much do what they want till the bell rings. As long as by the time the bell rings, they're at their seat with their stuff. While they're still putting bits and pieces together, uh, I might tell them a few things that they need to know. Um, or I might walk around the room and monitor how they're doing that. Uh, and then once I'm on the podium, it's quiet time. We're listening. We're ready to go. And we jump right in, usually jump right into playing. I'll do some kind of exercise where we're just taking one note and playing with it, starting, stopping, play that note. Good. Can you do it again? Give that note a number on a scale of one to 10. What is that? Is that, a, is that an eight? Is that a seven? Okay, if it's a seven, can you make it an eight this time? Go. And we just, we'll just keep playing some things and then we'll jump into the content of the day. Um, I like to structure my, my, my classes kind of like a menu. I don't know why, but everything's food with me. Um, but where I think, I, I feel that uh, you have to offer an appetizer and, uh, or maybe several appetizers, things that get, that get the palate going, they get the interest going. And so maybe it's those simple extra one note exercises. Maybe we're going to do a clap and count. Maybe now we're going to do it on a mouthpiece. Now let's do it on this new note that we just learned. And now let's play this line that uses this new note. And now we've moved on into the entree, which is really the content. What are the things that the kids need to learn today? And that entree might be in the, con might be in the context of literature, might be uh, within a piece of music that we're learning that has things the kids need to learn. And I feel that that's a really important thing is that we're picking music that has things the kids need to learn in it, not just picking cool tunes to play because over the course of, of a school year, those, that kid's going to play, you know, 12 to 20 pieces of music. And, and so you've got in two years, 24 to 40 pieces of music that that kid's going to see. Um, those choices are really important. And so you've got to offer them good nutrition in that entree. Um, and I, I hate to finish class without dessert. You know, you've, you've, you've got to, you've got to end with something that's culminating. Did we reach our goal? Did we worked on these eight measures? Did we get to the point where we played them and everybody went, yes, can we do it again? Or after you worked on something that was really hard, did you go back and play something that, you know, the students really enjoy? Um, did they experience satisfaction at the end of that class and they could walk out at the end having had a good time making music? They did something that was um, developing, they did something that was in, required work and learning, and they did something that was just fun to play. Um, and in a very general sense, that's kind of how the class works each day. Online, it's it's similar. Uh, it's similar and different. You know, usually we'll start out. Um, it's it's taken a while just to get used to the funkiness of online, where where you sit there and you wait for everybody to join. Um, I've, I've kind of gotten rid of that a little bit, but I start, um, we have 15 minutes in between courses. We see our kids um, synchronously. That means we see a full schedule of kids three days a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 35 minute classes, 15 minutes in between. I don't know where that 15 minutes goes, by the way. It seems like it's like that. There's never there. 
probably because I usually start the next class about 10 minutes early. I'll put on a YouTube video of something, uh, whether it's uh, President's Own playing something, maybe it's Chicago Symphony, maybe it's Lucky Chops, um, maybe it's uh, Marimba Ponies before my percussion class. To go, Look, these little kids can do it. You better be able to. Um, something for them to, that, that's running. And then five minutes before I have a countdown that's running and the countdown's got a little scrawl, just reminders about turn, mute yourself, stay out of the chat, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and so most of the kids are signing in during that countdown. And there's always some that walk into the room early. And so they're watching a video. You got a captive audience. Might as well put something there in front of them that's, that you want them to hear or watch. And, and they're allowed to chat. They used to chat that at that point to say hey to each other, um, uh, put up, uh, and maybe the camera is, I got one kid that puts it on his guinea pig every day. So it's pig, pig cam <laughs> um, before class. Um, and, and it's very amusing to watch the chat. And the chat is really important because that's what they would normally do, right? They'd walk into the band room as they're putting their instruments together. They're talking to each other about whatever silly things they want to talk about. Um, they need that. And so that chat is kind of important. But once class starts, it's okay. Stay out of the chat unless you're asking a question, answering a question. Um, and, uh, and so... It takes a couple of minutes, though, still, once we hit that, that drop-off time. Um, I've learned not to take attendance right when class starts because there's still kids going, I'm sorry, I couldn't get logged in, or I had this issue with this, or it bumped me off because everybody's signal's different. Um, and so usually in those first few minutes, I'll do something that's a little bit expendable. You know, that appetizer might be, I'll be talking about this, um, what did we do yesterday, the two days ago, or what happened over the weekend, or here's what we're going to do today, or just chatting with the class a little bit, maybe playing them an example. Um, in my uh, in my second year classes, uh, we start out with some stretches and some breathing gym, or we'll just get them out of that bloody chair. Uh, and we'll do, let, let's all stand up. Let's do a couple stretches. Sometimes I'll put some music on while we do it. It looks like a dance party on the screen. Um, <laughs> and, and then we'll sit back down. And by then everybody's logged in. And we'll start. We'll start into some warm-up activity, uh, which is which is very similar to what maybe we've done in normal class, except it's a one-way stream. It's me playing at them, and watching them play. <laughs> or sometimes I'll, I'll ask for volunteers. Lately, we're at the point now where they're used to the process where I can ask for volunteers. Who'd like to lead? Who'd like to lead us in slurs? One. So okay, they want to. So they got a met on, and then they're they're playing, and we can play along with that. Um, and that's been a fun thing to start taking volunteers to lead the class that way. Um, and we'll, we will go through a warm-up process, which for my second-year kids is, is your typical developmental things that they need to get started. Some long tones, some lip slurs, uh, some Remington exercises. Again, another advantage of being online is every kid can have a tuner on their computer screen going. Um, and as they're playing their exercise, okay, keep it in the green, kids, or keep that line straight. Um and uh, then we'll move into what are we working on today? Uh, right now, I'm using, uh, uh, with my second-year kids, a lot of flex band stuff. Some of the things that FJH has put out are really fun. They've taken some tunes that are already on smart music and already have recordings out of the full band arrangements, but they've put them into three-part versions where, okay, let's all, let's all talk about the melody to this. Let's have the tuba players learn the melody. Let's have the flute players learn the bass part. Let's, let's learn all the parts. Now listen to recording. Where do you find your part? Now look at your part on smart music. That's the actual part. How is it different? When do you have the melody? When do you not have the melody? Um, and, and perhaps using those things, we're developing them into either the kids putting together some video projects or turning in recordings to me of their part or prepping for that via smart music. We've got a, a several different ways we can go with that. 
Um, but the mantra right now is really make more music with less notes. We know that it's a world of slow because just the process of asking a question to the kids takes forever. You ask a question, then you stare at all these blank faces because they haven't heard the question yet because of lag. Two seconds later, they hear the question and then you see some response, which, you know, even in person, getting a response from a 12 year old is sometimes takes a lot. Um, but then you start to see a response and, and then you have to prompt again. No, that requires an answer. What's the answer to the question? So the process, you know, of, of usually it might take five seconds in class is now drawn out to 15 seconds. And it's this way with everything online. I call it reverse dog years. You know how um, one year in our life is seven years to a dog. I think seven classes um, online is we get done about what we get done in one in person. Is real. So you've got to just go, okay, it's going to be slower. So what does that mean? Okay, I've got to take less content and do more. You know, maybe, okay, maybe we're not going to be playing in five keys. Maybe we're going to be playing in two or three key signatures. But we're going to still learn the same musical concepts. We're still going to learn to articulate. We're still going to talk about tone every day. Um, and boy, and that's a weird thing online. Just trying to listen to kids. I will have them unmute and hear one kid at a time. We'll, we'll every once in a while, just for kicks, we'll unmute everybody. But that is not an educational experience by any means. <laughs> it is a social yeah. exercise so that the kids go, oh, there are other people out there who sound as horrible or as good as I do. Um, it is strictly a social exercise to let them unmute and play right now. Um, but an, a kind of an important one, too, so that they just have that sense of reality, uh, especially with the beginners. Uh, we did that with mouthpieces. <laughs> And they're like, oh, okay. I, I'm not the only one that sounds like a duck. You all sound like that. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, horrifying. What, you, what tools are you using for them to uh, submit recordings? So our, our learning management system that we use is Schoology. And on Schoology, they can submit directly um, audio or video directly into that. Um, I'll also have them. They, they can record it any other way they want to and upload it. Um, they can use a phone or their computer or anything to do that. I know a lot of other teachers use Flipgrid. And I've considered using that, but I just haven't had the need yet because the kids can submit their audio directly onto Schoology and it's all there collected on the assignment. I can assign the points right there. I can put up a rubric um, and evaluate things that way. So I just haven't had the, felt the need to add one more piece of software or one more application that the kids need to learn because they're already learning five for every class. So they've got like 35 different applications maybe that they're learning to use. So I don't think they need to learn one more. So, yeah. but that's, that's been the way I've, I've done it mostly, um, collecting things that way. Uh, I've also, if I've done any kind of a virtual video project or something like that, I've had them drop their video into a, uh, into a Google drive. Cause it's a lot easier to collect that way. Um, I learned by mistake that you don't want them emailing them, emailing you their <laughs> video, but, uh, that's, that's the, the way I collect the audio, audio and video recordings right now. And then smart music too. You can you, you use it. I use that. Uh, to evaluate what they're doing more for smart music. I spend more time listening than looking at the, whatever the grading points smart music gives, because that's a funky thing, depending on where you have it set. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes not very well with percussion, not very well at all. So that's where I just tell the kids, ignore the number. I just want to see that you did it. Cause I'm going to listen to it. And then I'll assign you a number in school on how you did, or did you just complete the task? Um, but, but yeah. that's a good thing too. Yeah. So how do you find, um, your classroom management is virtual versus online. Is it about the same or are you dealing with kind of different things? Well, the biggest different thing is, is teaching to kids that you can't see and can't hear. Um, the equity issue of kids who don't have a working camera, don't have a working microphone, 
is is a real problem. Um, and and I, I'm fortunate that I have a pretty good percentage. My class uh, on camera percent ranges anywhere from 45% to 92%, um, depending on the class in the day. And our district uh, will, if they ask for a Chromebook to take home, their district will give them a here's Here's one of our Chromebooks. We're not a one-to-one district by any means, but they've managed to find enough stuff to where somebody says, I don't have a working computer. Here is one. Here's a hotspot um, that you can use. Um, and so, I, but I constantly have to remind families, uh, hey, if the computer you're on right now is does not have a working mic and does not have a working camera, you need to tell the school and you need to go get one because that's that's huge. Um, I know I've got a child in my percussion class that still hasn't picked up an instrument. He's not on screen. He's he's out there sometimes. That's that's a huge problem. And and I explain it to the parents. I say I cannot give your child the best education if I can't see them and if I can't hear them. And I'm here to offer you, you can have for free a computer where they can be seen and heard um, at your home. You just have to go communicate with the school and do this. And and some parents are still not there. Um, and, and, I'm, and that's not a judgment on my part. I don't know what their, what their situation is. Uh, I don't know what their, what their home situation is, what their work situation is. All I know is it's making their child's life educationally really difficult right now. Yeah. That's the hard part is when you can't see them all. Um, you can't, you can't correct what you can't see. Yeah. Um, so that part is so really odd and playing to a silent band and watching, um, you know, I, 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 I get where Beethoven was coming from when he could watch the string players and t- no, 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 you guys are so far off. You're, you're terrible you know, because you, you really have to watch on the screen um, and you catch little things as well as big things. Um, uh, there aren't enough adjectives in the human language to properly describe to a trombone player how to hold a trombone for the first time <laughs> <laughs> or a flute player, you know? Oh um, yeah. Flute, flute for me, for sure. I was like, how on earth am I going to teach a kid how to hold a flute correctly? Especially the left hand is so strange. You I know? literally had a student, you know, online, bless it, bless his heart. You know, that he's one of these, he's got both hands the wrong way. And I say, no, no, your right hand needs to be on the other side of the flute. So he crosses it over. So now he's got his hands crisscrossed. No, the other side of the flute. So now he turns the flute around. So he's he's got the foot by his mouth. Oh my! No, God. the other. It took forever until I said, "Wait, wave your right hand at me." And when he was waving the hand, I said, "Good, good. Now, now wave at the flute. Wave goodbye to the flute. Good. Put it there. There. He finally. Oh. But you know, my student teacher and I were online and with the trombone players, and we were literally at the point where, if you've ever seen that SpongeBob video where he's trying to teach Patrick to put a lid on a jar. Yes. Or open. Yes. And we were literally going, the lid, the lid. Because <laughs> it's so yeah. much that. That is exactly oh, yeah. where we're at. And, and you you have to laugh at it and with the kids. Because if you can't laugh at this, you're, you're going to die. You have oh, to yeah. have a sense of humor about how ridiculous this all is trying to describe that. Which, by the way, for anybody else who has not passed out their instruments yet, do yourself a favor and pre-mark your flutes. Um, I, you know, I typically will walk up to my flute players and I'll put a piece of tape right where their thumb goes and I'll put a piece of blue tape right where their left hand first finger goes. And, and so they could feel that and touch that. And had I thought about this ahead of time, I would have done that on every flute I sent out. Some people mm-hmm. put the little colored dots on where the fingers go. Do that before you send them out. It will save you and your kids a lot of stress. Teaching flute in particular has taught me how many kids do not know their left from their right. <laughs> like, because... Because I'll have a kid, yeah. right? And they're it's and they're real. trying to do they're trying to do a G, right? And they'll have their pinky down. 
yeah. right? Which is, of course, G sharp. So yeah. I'm like, okay, lift up your left pinky and they'll take their right pinky off the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I've, learned, I've learned on camera to not show them. Okay, lift up. Because when I lift it up to them, it might look backwards and, and that. And I've also had to go through and ask the kids, you know, okay, wave your right hand, wave your right hand again to make sure that it is their right hand and not the mirrored screen so that I'm not telling the clarinet player to switch hands when they actually had it right. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so you do catch things, you know, going back to what's different um, in this online form, you, you catch some of the big things, you know, the ligature that's on wrong, but you have to learn to really look for those things. And then you can catch the little things. You start looking at trombone slide movement and, and, and finger movement and hand position on trumpets. And you could catch a lot of that you know, you just have to be as observant on screen as you are in class. It's just the pictures are really tiny. Um, and, and having yeah. a big monitor, you know, I've got a larger t- TV monitor in front of me that I usually put the kids on. Uh, helps a lot. Um, to do it all on one little screen would be hard. The dual monitor thing is so clutch. Like, if, if you're screen sharing anything, you can at least have all their videos on the other monitor and then have your screen share stuff on the second monitor and then you can still see all the kids because some of the kids will like still raise their hand like they're actually <laughs> in class and if you can't see all of them while you're screen sharing you you know you'd miss some of that yeah and i use those visual cues a lot the thumbs up thumbs down thumbs sideways is huge for me right now i mean i usually yeah. use that in class anyways to kids how are you doing like thumbs up you totally got this thumbs sideways you're kind of good thumbs down i need to slow down you know they'll, they'll give me those signals in class when i ask but now it's like in in the camera especially when I'm the only one who can see their camera in the system we use. Um, that's huge. They're, they're showing me where we're at. And I'm like, okay, we need to do that one more time. Or, okay, we're good to go on. Uh, getting that kind of a response from them is great. Uh, and you learn to ask that, uh, that kind of response a lot. So what instrument would you say has been the most challenging to teach virtually? <sighs> well, I, you know what? I, I think the ones that are challenging normally are are still challenging virtually. I think French horn is hard to teach to a kid you can't see and can't hear. Mm. I think I think a kid who picks up a saxophone who is just listening to what you're saying got a pretty good chance of making a sound on the saxophone. And um, got a pretty good chance of hitting the right buttons if he's watching me. Um, but uh, with French horn, man, uh, that's that that one is is a challenge. Uh, even double reads are not as much of a challenge. The hard thing about double reads is I, I, I'm not there to go. Let me see your read. Let me let me check your oboe and see it. Is it you or is it the oboe? Um, troubleshooting has has been you know, and I've I've managed to fix some instruments you know online with kids. Show that to me. Show it to me really close. Okay, your your spring is off. Here's how you fix that. Or or you need to rotate that valve. Or your your, your water key's leaking. Here's how you. You know, we've had to troubleshoot some of those things. And I think that's been even harder is not being able to just grab an instrument. And in two seconds, you know, as a band director, we've learned it. A kid will go, my flute's not working. What's it not doing? It's not playing this note. Oh, really? And they hand it to you. And in the time it takes to grab the instrument, flick a spring with your thumb and hand it back to the kid, you go, I think it works now. (laughs) You can't do that online. And it takes forever to troubleshoot that. Um, Adjusting brass players is harder. Young brass players as beginners that need so much attention to um, airspeed and seeing exactly what an embouchure looks like, no matter how close I put my ugly mug into the camera to show them what that face looks like, there is no substitute for being right there uh, and showing them what that sound is like. Um, 
and, and yeah. just checking that and seeing exactly how much air are they pushing out. That and the sound quality from the little microphones they use, you know, because these, these microphones are meant, uh, if they're not using a microphone like we are, they're using a computer mic or some of them have the, the microphone that's just on their little, uh, their, their little headset. Yeah, earbud microphone. Or some of them, they have the gamer one. That, that's right here that every time they touched their headset we're getting <laughs> from every time you know and of course it's right by their mouthpiece but they're made to cancel noise you know they're they're made to take anything that's not a human voice and try and put it in the background so these kids are playing instruments it's trying to wipe them out and so they don't have a good so you don't know what their what their quality is like so i'm hearing a beginning trumpet player play and i'm trying to evaluate is that his embouchure does he have a valve that's that's not set right or is he got a leaky water key Mm. you can't tell as well with the sound quality that you're getting. So you have to kind of hit all three. Yeah. And you can't just like slap a mouthpiece visualizer on their lips to see what their lips are doing. No, you know, and I know that's, that's been really hard. Like, cause a lot of times beginners, you know, they buzz with like kind of the inside of their lip and they get that yeah. like cow sound. I think folks in, t- in Texas call that squishage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and we use mouthpiece vis- visualizers here all the time to just kind of make sure that the right part of their lip is, is vibrating. Um, yeah. And you can't do that. You know, I think I didn't realize how much I rely on subtle, like physical interactions to fix things. For example, for me, uh, I'm so I'm a percussionist. Right. And for me, percussion, I thought was going to be the easiest one for me. I was <laughs> like, oh, it's so visual. I can just see what they're doing. Um, yes. But. I didn't realize how much like I like if a kid has is holding the stick the wrong way, like if a kid's holding it sideways, right? How I would subtly just like oh. grab their hand and then move it over and be like, oh, it's here. Oh. And the stick should kind of go in this direction. And then they're like, oh, okay. And I've had the hardest time with a few of my beginning percussionists who keep wanting to play with their thumb up. I just thank God for pizza. You know, you keep talking about that pizza wedge, man. And it's not a hot dog. It's not hot dog buns. It's a pizza wedge. Oh, and boom, the sticks go back to a pizza wedge, you know, yep. the thumbs need to say hi to each other. Uh, can you see the tops? You'd be hand- all of those things. But yeah, you keep seeing that. Yeah. This, this, this natural French grip that is very unnatural. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'll put my hand right in the camera and be like, do this. And a few of them still, they can't process that, you know, and in a normal year, I would just grab their hand and turn it and it'd be fixed in two seconds. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did get a kid uh, this past week and I literally had him get a Coke can and put it on top of his hand. And Jenna, you know, and I don't play that, you know, German grip yeah. kind of style. I, I tilt a little bit. Yeah. But, but he was so turned over to that French grip position. I was like, put a can of Coke on your hand. And then something clicked and then it kind of settled in. But yeah, I've, I've, I've gone around a room with a, with a, with a marker and put a dot on every, everybody look at your dot. Can you see your dots? You know, <laughs> they, they all, they all have, they all have the club tattoo, you know, on their hands. Yes. I love it. So how much are you doing for homework outside of class right now? So that's changed a lot. Uh, we just hit, we just finished our first quarter. We just finished week nine. And prior to that, a couple of weeks before that, we had, I think three weeks before that, we had our progress reports go out, which is kind of a check-in where the parents get a, an official notice. of Here's where your kids are at. I have never seen so many D's and F's in my life. I'm used to maybe seeing, okay, I've got, a, I've got like three B's in each class. I got to go after these kids. There were classes where we had a 50% F rate of, of kids just because they didn't turn stuff in, you know, because they didn't realize, oh, that's got to be turned. There was nobody pushing them to do that. And um, 
that was haunting uh, to the point where where the, the discussion came up. Okay, do we need to change our schedule? Do we need to put the kids in class for longer? Do they need to be in more days? Do they need to be? And uh, fortunately, on my campus, the teachers were the opinion of no, they just need to get used to how to do this, and we need to get used to how to do it better. And so, I have adjusted mine a lot. Um, at that point, I, I sent out a rather lengthy email to parents about uh, here's here's where your kids are at. And here's what, how you can help. Here's what I'm going to do. And my promise to them was I'm going to give them less things to click in each week, but they need to play their instruments more. And, and, and the first week I did that, and the kids are going, wait, what's our assignment today? I said, it's just practice your instrument for 15 minutes. And the kids said, you mean all you want us to do is practice? Oh my gosh, that's what I've been wanting them to ask me all their lives. <laughs> all you want us to do is practice? Yes. That's always been it. Um, it's never been about all these other things. I mean, I, I don't assign busy work, but yeah, if, if you're going to play your instrument, that's the that's the thing. And these other things are, uh, we've got some mandatory check-ins we have to do with the kids. And we have to um, be accountable for X number of hours to the, our state has a ridiculous uh, documentation process that our admins have to go through. So they require us to send in a certain amount of things. Um, but basically now my kids are down to down to this, where Tuesdays and Thursdays, they have some kind of a click-in assignment that is serves the purpose of attendance, or I, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a theory assignment. How many notes can you name in a minute? Or watch this video and answer the questions at the end of the video, that are, or play along with this video and answer the questions at the end of this. They'll have, they'll have two of those a week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and every other week, they're going to have something to turn into me that's uh, playing, a recording or a video of them playing. Um, and pretty much I've narrowed it down to that, um, for a couple reasons. One, it's less things for them to do and, and they seem to be more accountable for the playing. They, they'll have some ongoing smart music assignments too, where I want to see your participation. Did you do, did you do this this week? Did you play along with this? Did you put an entry in? Um, but that's not something that's going in the grade book. That's just something, how are you doing? What's your mm -hmm. participation like there? What's your, what's your, your effort like there? Are you playing? Um, the other side of that is how burdened uh, and stressed out us as teachers have been with the amount of grades to enter. Uh, mm. Gradebook uh, stress has become a real, you know, uh, post-grading trauma. PGT is, is a real thing um, for teachers right now, especially as many of them are getting to that quarter point. And uh, so the key thing there is, is don't, don't assign more than you're willing to grade or more than you can handle grading. So for me now, this has really helped me find my groove because now I've got more planning time. I've got more time to more carefully plan what I'm doing in class, more carefully plan what are the assessments I'm going to, what am I going to ask the kids to do? Um, rather than just checking off the boxes, just make the boxes more important and less boxes. Uh, and, and so every other week, I've got half my kids turning in something that I've got to listen to. Now I can listen to it. I can make comments back to them because I don't want to ever listen to it and just check a grade. Um, I would never do that with a student in class playing for me. I'd always give them back some feedback. The feedback is the real thing. And that feedback at this point always needs to in include something positive. You know, all right, this is a good start at the least, you know. Um, and then here's where you need to go next. You're ready to move on to doing this and this and this. And keep up doing this. I love that you turned us in on time. Thanks. Um, some encouragement because God knows they're not getting that anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so... That's lightened, made my load easier, made me a more effective uh, of teacher with the time I have to use, and it's, it's given them some relief. 
So that's kind of where I'm at with the assignments. Um, and, and if the kids are showing up for my class online and playing and they're happy to do that, and that's a good moment in their day when they show up and they click in and they go, yeah, it's time for band. That's all we need right now. Yeah. The rest is going to take care of this itself. They will, will they attain the, the level of music ability and knowledge that, that kids have, have in the past within a year? Probably not. Uh, can they be as musical? Maybe. Um, can they be exposed to as many things? Maybe more. So th- those are definite advantages. You know, uh, one in-class advantage, and I think this is going to be a catchphrase that'll uh, go well beyond this learning experience is mute yourself. Boy, what a cool thing mute is. Muting is an advantage. In your classroom, you can't say, okay, kids, I want to work with the flutes right now. Would the rest of you practice this for two minutes? You can't have them do that. It's, it's, it's a cacophony. It's noise. But now, okay, I'm going to work with the flutes for two minutes. Everybody else on mute, practice. I want At the end of two minutes, I'm going to ask you to do this. Go. And you could see fingers going. And you could see them, whether they're doing this or whether they're typing or whether they're talking to somebody. You can, you can still see if they're active. But they can do it. They can all play at once and work on something. Or you could say, let's do this. Okay, how many of you could play it? I get thumbs down. Okay, I want you for the next, for the next one minute. Play this as many these notes as many times as you can. Go, put a timer up in one minute and check them. Mute is an advantage if we use it. I've definitely found that like when it comes to teaching a lesson, like it goes so much faster than it normally would because there's there's no classroom management problems, right? Everyone's on mute, no one can distract anybody, and you can just you can get through a lesson like literally in half the time where you would normally be taking care of little things, you know, here and yeah. there. The self-distraction is, the, is their worst enemy. You know, how many, how many, how many windows do they have open? How many tabs they got open? Um, uh-huh. I, you know, I've, I've learned that when, when I'm looking at chat and it says so-and-so is typing and nothing is appearing in the chat, they're typing, but they're not typing in my chat. <laughs> and so now the, the kids have learned Mr. Graves has a typing detector and I can tell when you're putting when you're inputting somewhere else. Some of them even believe I know what they're typing, um, which which is fantastic. Um, and uh, but the self distraction is a real thing, you know. Especially again, those kids that are off camera. The kid that you ask a question to and they're non responsive. Two minutes later, two minutes later, you ask them again and they're non responsive. Yeah, we've had the experience where we do breakout rooms uh, for sectionals and for other things. And uh, if you assign everyone a breakout room and you hit the button and there's three people that don't leave. <laughs> They weren't there, you know, yeah. we, and we kind of like have to mark that down. Like, okay, well, this person didn't go to the breakout room. Their video's off. Their audio's off. I can only assume that they're not. Yeah, and you try and reassign, you try and reinvite them into the room, and they're not accepting the invite. Yeah, it's yeah. And I yeah. think for for me, that's been one of the, like, I, I think the hardest thing about all of this is not that actually the process of teaching online because that you know we can adjust to. Mm-hmm. It's not not being able to know what's going on with a kid on a personal level. Yeah. You know, because like I like I said, we teach in a school system with a very high poverty rate. And there's like a lot of my job is just getting to know the kids, building the relationship, checking in on them, seeing how they're doing. And this my ability to do that right now is so limited. You know, um, my seventh graders who are second years for me, probably a third of them uh, are not turning anything in. And they're, they're showing up to the Zoom class, but their audio is off. They're muted. They don't type anything in the text chat yeah. and they're not turning in their assignments. But I know that they're kids that in sixth grade, they loved band. We had a really good relationship between them and myself. 
But now, like, I have no way of like pulling them aside and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, how's things going with your parents? Like, you know, like I have, I have yeah. no way to do that. So I, I, I don't know how to differentiate kids who are not doing work because they're, quote, lazy, I've, which I think is probably the minority of kids. Yeah, I've had some stay after where I'll say, OK, so and so and so and so and so and so. Once I once I let everybody go, which I want you to stay online. Um, let's talk for a minute. And I've been able to have a few conversations that way. Sometimes the kids won't stay. They'll disappear. Uh, but the ones that do stay, we can have a conversation and sometimes fix that. I haven't gotten to this point yet, but I'd certainly encourage it is, is the phone call that goes where you call the parent and, and, and hi, this is, this is Mr. Grace and Johnny's band director. Would you mind if I talk to your son? And the parent goes, um, it's your teacher. That moment right there, when they hand him the phone, that's, it's your teacher on the phone. He wants to talk to you. But, but that's really powerful. And then when you go, hey, I'm, I'm concerned about you. Tell me what's going on. And we don't know. I think a key, a key phrase for people to know during these times right now is assume good intentions. Because you really don't know what's going on. I had um, a, a group of kids in my win ensemble that after we just had the talk, after progress reports had come out about you guys got to turn stuff in and get caught up. And then we assign something. And then by two days later, I'm checking and there's like a dozen kids didn't turn it in. You know, and I sent them out the email of, I'm very disappointed in you. And here's what you can do. And here's what you need to do. Da, da, da. And one student, she she wrote me back. She said, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to keep up and I'm going to turn this in. My mom's been away for two weeks. You know, she's in, in Ethiopia taking care of her mom who is dying of, I forget the disease. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I've got a younger sibling who's in school and I'm trying to keep them in class. And I went, just, hey, when you can, get it done. You know, and this kid has been showing up and been turning stuff in now. But, you know, I didn't know that. And and you need to know those things. You you really do. Um, that's huge. I had another kid that that uh, hey, let's do a one on one. Let me let's 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 help. Let me help you out. And I've been doing some private lessons, which have worked out wonderfully for some kids. And in this lesson, that connection was so terrible. It was constantly dropping off. I have another one too that every time I speak to him, he's sitting there and he's got this look on his face. And I'll say the same question three times. Finally, he goes, what happened? Wait, what? So now I know he can't hear a lick of what I'm saying because his connection is so terrible. Mm. Um, and that speaks volumes about the experience they're getting or why they're not turning things in. You know, yeah. so that has to be fixed. Yeah, nothing's more frustrating when the kid is like actively trying to participate and they're trying to play their instrument and their connection's so bad I cannot hear what they're doing. It's like, man. It's, yeah, I've got a shirt. So I'm not laggy. You're laggy. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. It's um, <laughs> it, that was that's the that's the other catchphrase. You know, when the kids type in lag, and I'm like, don't you dare call me laggy, because on my end, it is beautiful. It's you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's a real thing too. Is is trying to pick up these fragmented bits and pieces of things, or or getting kicked off. You know, that's happened to all of us. Um, to mm-hmm. the kids and to we our, our entire school district almost didn't start the first two days of school because our our learning management system completely crashed and our and our our grade entering system completely burned literally um and and we we said well okay uh, you're going to email all the kids in your second period class and you're going to meet with them on google meet which is not even our system for the next first two two days and that, that's how we existed for the first two days of our school year. We didn't even use the system we had. Um, just punting completely. Yeah. 
Well, on a more humorous note, what is uh, kind of the most funny thing that's happened during one of your online classes? Uh, I've had uh, one time where I've had to tell a, a child, oh, he was being attacked by his younger sibling who was like, I don't know, two, three, old enough to run around him and grab at his instrument. He's trying to play clarinet for me. I'm like, you need to get up and walk away right now because this one is start grabbing at the clarinet and he's just trying to I, I say, get up and walk away with the clarinet. I'm concerned about my instrument and you, but mostly yeah. my instrument, get up and walk away. Um, I've seen that. Um, I haven't seen any strange goings on in people's houses. Thank God. Um, kids, kids, you know, in all kinds of environments. That's another reason they don't want to turn on their cameras. They don't want you to see where they're at, which is, it's like, Hey kids, Here's, you know, I, sometimes I'm using a, I'm using a virtual background and sometimes it's this, uh, I've got a green screen. I hang up back there that sometimes I'll do that usually for videos. Um, but I'm like, look at, I'm showing you where I'm at, uh, right now on, on this, the system we use, if it's not Google Meet, if we're on Schoology, I'm the only one that sees their cameras unless they all want to be on screen and then I can let them see each other. Um, but you know, I've got kids in the backyard. I've got kids, you know, in their bedroom, kids in the living room, um, in a car. Yeah. In the car, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got, and in which case it's like, okay, don't put that trumpet on your lips right now. <laughs> you can hit a bump. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But which is worse than you know, sometimes I've got the adults that are doing that. Um, uh, it, some kids, I swear, they're playing in a closet. Is where they're doing their tests is in somebody's closet or something. Um, yeah, all kinds of things like that. You see, Grandpa. Why? There's one student I know whose grandpa's always walking back and forth in the background constantly during the things. Um, uh, it took me a while to realize that some of my kids were taking class at the Boys and Girls Club because mm-hmm. uh, the parents aren't home during the day and that's where they go. And so they're in a the room at the Boys and Girls and 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 uh, not, and maybe not playing their instrument there. One of them is outside. And then I'm like, I recognize where you're at. You're outside the Boys and Girls Club. It's like that's where he could play his instrument. Is out. They sent him outdoors to do his band class. Cool. They found a way to make it work. But, you know, they're in all kinds of different environments. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I've had a lot of kids out outside because, you know, not only are their siblings doing online school inside, but their parents doing online work. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, I can't play a trombone in there because everyone's online. So I have to be out in my yeah. backyard playing, which is fine for now when it's, you know, beautiful in Virginia this time of year. But come December, it's <laughs> that's going to be a different story. Uh, yeah, I was just talking with folks um, just before this in Minnesota. And uh, yeah, they were talking about how, yeah, our outside days are just about done. Mm hmm. You know, it's starting to get in the 30s and, and the wind's blowing and uh, the music stands are going like this. And mm-hmm. uh, it's getting too cold. For California, we're fortunate. There's only a few days out of the year where we can't go outside. Uh, and then yeah. we don't know what to do with ourselves. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think I've got one child who who can't play. He's like, yeah, I'm in an apartment and the neighbors really hate it. Uh, you know, I've even told him, go talk to him, ask him if there's a good time. Nope, there is no good time. Is there some, is there another place you can go? Do you got a relative's house you can visit on certain days or uh, some of the churches have opened up to that? Is there a park nearby you can just go sit in and play? Um, you try and find some things like that. So he's looking for some solutions. In class, he's got his instrument, he fingers along. So it's like, okay, I can see your fingers, which is just as much as I'm hearing from any other kid in class right now, <laughs> sizzle and finger along. You know, so at least he's doing that and yeah. I give him credit, you know. You just have to know their situation. Yeah, absolutely. And it, that's been the crazy thing is just seeing how many different situations kids are in. Um, I know for myself, I have at least two students who for the entirety of class, they're holding an infant. And if it's like five wow. minutes, if it's like five minutes, that's maybe like, oh, my, my 
my baby brother's cute. Let me hold him on camera. But when yeah. it's every day for when 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. For 45 wow. straight minutes. Like, that's that's a parent thing. That's not that a student. Really yeah. is. Yeah. And so the kid's not playing their instrument. Yeah, the kid's not playing their instrument. And it's like, well, I can't slight them because if they're holding a baby that long, that's not really that kid's choice, probably. Nope. You know? Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy seeing. Yeah, the school I was at previously, I, I taught at a school for 14 years previous to this one. And uh, I would see that. Or, mm-hmm. or kids that couldn't come to school because they had to watch the sibling because mom had to go to work and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that we settled into the year a little bit, would you say that you are more, less, or the same amount of stress as a normal year at this point? Oh, good God. It's been way more. <laughs> uh, until about this week, honestly. Um, last week, I started to feel it shift. And this week was the first time, you know, talking with my student teacher, I'm like, okay, I think I found a groove. You know, I think I've started to hit a stride where I know what my workload should be and I know what the student workload should be. And I'm actually, you know, typically um, I like to have when I leave school on Friday, I have the next week up on the grid on the board Um, by by lunchtime on Friday. I've got it mapped out um, on my on my grid schedule for the week. It's all written out. And uh, and this year, no matter how hard I've tried, it's I'm still up at midnight on Sunday night putting those last few things in, scheduling the conferences, putting in the assignments to where they work or, or just getting things graded. Uh, but uh, here it is uh, midday Saturday and next week's planned out. Um, all but a few things uh, that need to go in are done. And I've got halfway into the week after that planned out. Um, that feels really good. That's for me, you know, I like to be able to walk away um I'm really not a, a leave school at school kind of person. I carry my job with me everywhere um, just because it's for me personally, it's a part of who I am. Um, and I know that other people have very strong feelings about that, about, you know, Hey, shut the door and leave it on the other side of the door. But um, I, I do feel like my greatest stress relief has always been having next week done. So I can leave Friday and forget about next week. I can walk in Monday morning and look at my board and go, what were we doing? Oh yeah. All that. Okay. That's the week. Okay, cool. And go. You know, and not have had the thought for thought about it for the last 48 hours or more. Mm. And it hasn't been that. Uh, it hasn't been that since May. It's been every waking up. You know, here, here I was midsummer having first year band director dreams, nightmares, waking up teaching. That hasn't that hasn't happened for over 30 years. Um, and, and going back and having those kind of experiences and thinking about that, that's that tells me stress, you know. Uh, but it's finally turning a corner to where we're seeing, okay, how, how, how can you manage all this? Uh, and I think a lot of that for us as band directors is, is taking, taking off these imaginary bars that we have set for our program. Because, no, you know, let's face it, nobody's, nobody's telling us what to do. You know, it's, it's not like the, the math teacher where there, there's X amount of things. They have to check off a lot of boxes that kids have to know in order to manage the state testing. They've got to, they have to have studied this area and they've had to have done these kind of problems and they have to know how to do this kind of equation and they have to know this vocabulary. Very specific. And, and they can go, okay, we know for three weeks we're going to teach this. The history teacher, we're going to teach this for three weeks. We're going to test it. And then we don't talk about it ever again. <laughs> we teach the next thing and, and we test it and we don't talk about it ever again. Well, we're, we're not like that at all. We're talking about the same things constantly, only trying to do it better, right? Um, I think that's the best teaching advice I ever got was from the Bop It toy, where sometimes you hit it and it says, great, do it again, only better. 
That's exactly what we do. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so we, we put these high, very high bars. Oh, we've got to do this many concerts. We have to play this level of piece. We have to do this many pieces on each concert at this level. There's no admin that's telling us to do that. Unless <laughs> you're in rarely. Texas, maybe. In Texas, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. In which, and you got two other people helping you. But, right, uh, right, right. you know, it's, it's not like California where I got, you know, 250 kids and one of me. Um, but it, uh, but we set a very high bar. And, and we have to realize that there are certain certain requirements we don't need to put on ourselves. Yeah. Um, you don't need to produce a virtual video. Now, I'll, having said that, I would put out a few just because I enjoy it. But yeah. um, you don't need to do that. You don't need to play X. You don't need to put on a concert. You, um, you, it's okay for your kids to, to only know this many notes and play level one pieces a little bit longer. Uh, it, are you teaching them to be more musical though? Are we playing yeah. them better? Are we making more music with less notes? Uh, yeah. That's okay. It's not going to damage, it's not going to damage music in schools for the next, you know, five years, four years past middle school. Uh, will they have to catch up at some point? Yeah. That's going to happen right around their junior year. Yeah. You know, well, because that's the year that a lot of kids plateau. But now what's yeah. going to happen is that's where they're going to catch up. Yeah, I was talking with a, a first year teacher on Zoom yesterday, and she was just so concerned about not getting her kids to X level before they went to high school. And I was like, you're a first year teacher and we're in the middle of a pandemic. If you can keep them just loving music yeah. and interested in band, that's a success right there. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing I asked of my elementary teachers feeding my feeding my, my program was, you know, this, the, the, when the district came and said, we're going to do an elementary music program. How can we make it work? What would you like coming into you? I said two things. Fundamentals, whether they know three notes or eight notes, they really don't need to know more. Fundamental and love band. Mm-hmm. Hey, folks, if we're doing those two things right now, you're killing it. If you're teaching yep. some kind of a fundamental to your kids. And they are enjoying showing up and putting a, putting an instrument in their pie hole. Yay! You're 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 doing better than most. Yeah. You know, because that kid's probably not loving showing up for math class right now. Probably hmm. not a hundred percent sold on should he be doing this this English essay. That's a yeah. tough sell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, what do you do to manage your stress levels? What are some hobbies or outside activities that you have that helps out with that? I think most band directors would say drink, but I, I've <laughs> put that aside. Um, you know, uh, you, you have to have some things outside of what you do. I mean, during a normal year, uh, you know, I'll, I'll play in groups, which is great, you know, um, and, and do the simplest thing. Just, you know, playing playing drums in a top 40 group. Good God, that's a great time. Um, great stress relief, you know, or playing and reading down keyboard parts in a, in a community concert band. Um, that's super fun. And that's why it's why we do this because we really love doing that first. Um, but, but other than that, you know, I will, uh, I, I like, we're in California, so I like to get out to the beach. Um, one of the advantages of this virtual learning is I don't have to keep the band room door open at the end of the day when class ends and I hit end meeting, I can end meeting and come back and do take care of work later <laughs> easily. So I can hit that and hop in my car and 25 minutes later, be in the water. Um, so I'll do that if I can. Just get away, you know, to where, you know, all I got to think about is this, is that, can I catch that next wave or not? 
Is that a good one? No. And you forget <laughs> about everything else. That's that's a lot of fun. I've taken up running a lot in the last four years. Um, and for me, running is is uh, you know besides being good for you, I, I started I started doing it listening to music, and now I listen to podcasts when I run. Um, so it becomes like you know uh, thirty minutes or, or sixty minutes of enlightenment. So you forget about, you know, the pace that you're running at or how far you're just you're listening to things. And, and people think I'm crazy because as I'm running, I'm going, yeah, yeah, that. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. You know, and just kind of responding to listening to people talk about band or music or 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 listen to something like uh, Gig Gab or something like that. And, um, and uh, so the, the running thing has been great. And physically right now, you need to get outside or mm -hmm. you need to be moving um, and cooking. You know, I like to eat, therefore I, I need to cook. Um, but I've also, you know, I, I alluded to Alton Brown earlier when we were talking about, you know, your your Marimbology channel and uh, uh, just watching folks do cooking shows, cooking programs who are good at it because they are amazing teachers. That's why they're that's why they're good on videos because they're engaging. They know how to use this medium. And I was talking with uh, some folks earlier today about how they can take a lot of clues and tips from these guys who put on cooking shows, even though it's, there's a lot of editing and production involved, but their on-camera persona, the way they know how to talk to that one single eye um, and their knowledge, um, their enthusiasm and their preparation really comes through is in those cooking shows. Those are great examples of teaching um, to watch. Uh, and, and so I like watching and I like, you know, making the food doesn't, doesn't hurt. You know, that and, and just enjoying my family. Well, you've been more than generous with your time. I think I'll, I'll head to our last three questions. I have three questions sure. that I ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, question number one, do you have a mentor shout out? A mentor shout out. Um, you know, uh, I I always, every once in a while, I texted these guys. Um, I texted these guys a couple weeks ago. And uh, there's two guys that hired me straight out of high school. Um to uh to to teach to to be their drumline coach and uh they had faith in this kid that they saw do really well in high school and they said okay i'll i'll pay, I'll pay that kid to come work with my kids and uh lynn olinger and bill schroeder uh two retired band directors uh out there and uh they had faith in a young kid and also they had the tools to teach kids really well uh and taught me a lot of great things about band directing and let me be a fly on their wall uh, and work with their kids for a really long time. And then, and then once I left their programs, continued to be a resource for me. Um, that's so important in what we do uh, to be mentors and, and to just share knowledge with each other. And I, gave, I texted both of those guys and said, you know, online teaching is hard, but I can imagine it's a lot harder for people who don't have a freaking clue. And thanks for giving a young kid a freaking clue. That's awesome. All right. Question number two. Do you have a, a favorite middle school band piece? Wow. Um, it changes every year. I think it's whichever one I'm working on at the moment. Uh, although I'd have to say that uh, I've come back to Moscow 1941 by uh, Brian just quite often, um, just because the kids really like it and it seems to work for everybody. So I'm going to say that's my that's one of my current go-tos. He's also recently redone that one into a flex band piece, hmm. um, which is pretty cool um, that that's come up. But I'd say that's uh, that's probably one of my biggest go-tos. And, you know, uh, with your beginners, how can you ever not at some point get to the Tempest? 
uh, which is, you know, Robert W. Smith has said probably his best sold piece, which is kind of funny <laughs> among all the things he's done musically. Um, but just because it, it's kids like it and it's got some things in it you can do, you can teach and work, work, work with, which is what you want in a piece. Absolutely. All right. And our, our final question, name a band director who's crushing it right now. Um, gosh, uh, band directors who are crushing it right now. Um, people who have their work cut out for them in our district, there's a guy named Rich Gordon, uh, who you can find him on YouTube as Mr. Gordon. He has some excellent videos he is putting out, um, and, and is working really hard to, to get his kids involved. He's got a lot harder job than I do, I think. Um, and, uh, Patrick Doerr, who is out here uh, in California, is also setting a really good example for a lot of us. And, uh, you know, if you're not learning from from Darcy Williams right now and, and Jenna Yee and TJ out there um, in the after sectionals world, uh, they're talking a lot of relevant stuff about what we're doing right now. And uh, that's uh, Texas might be a different world <laughs> musically, but there's a lot of things that are universal and uh and they're in the midst of doing this, this wacky world of I've got kids in class and kids on the screen and trying to balance that. I think they're crushing it right now, too. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Well, it's, this, has been, this has been fun and, and uh, great to finally meet you and make the connection of, of, of where I've seen you before. Um, I, hope, I hope we are past meet again and we get a chance to maybe hang out uh, in real life sometime at Midwest or somewhere else, man. I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. You know what time it is. This week's pick is Dr. Rockenstein by Steve Hodges. With Halloween just around the corner, this piece is always a class favorite. The composer does an awesome job weaving together popular scary motifs such as The Twilight Zone, Jaws, and In the Hall of the Mountain King. The low voices kick us off with a creepy minor arpeggio followed by some really intense forte trills in the upper winds. Next, we have a short round, followed by a brief chromatic passage and sweeping grace notes in the woodwinds. Then the lower reeds launch into In the Hall of the Mountain King. The earlier themes are recapped, and we have a quick arpeggiated ending.
One thing I like about this piece is there are a lot of trills that need special trill fingerings. You can use this to teach your woodwinds about trill charts. There are two parts for clarinets, saxes, and trumpets. Clarinet 2 stays under the break, trumpet 2 goes up to D in the staff, and trumpet 1 goes up to F on the top of the staff. The euphonium and the tuba double in octaves for pretty much the whole piece, and the trombone has a slightly higher part. To buy this piece or listen to it in its entirety, see the show notes or visit theflyingbaton.com. Thanks for joining us on The Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.